Welcome to week eight of the Dana White Contender Series Breakdowns. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on social media at MMALOTN. It's been a solid last two weeks, and I appreciate everybody that's been jumping on board and showing support, showing love, hitting that subscribe, hitting that like, and dropping a comment. And the hardest thing to do now is to continue that streak. Again, we're 9-0 and over the last uh, two weeks. Uh, there was obviously that draw included as well, where we had a pretty good shot on the big underdog there uh, on Stephanie Luciano, who still ended up securing a, a contract with the UFC, even with a draw. So um, it would have been nice if she was able to put away to lead Alan Carr in the final round, but it is what it is. We'll take a push on the plus 185 underdog. I'm going to try to keep that run rolling for you guys. And especially after having such an abysmal weekend over uh, this past weekend with the UFC and Bellator, hopefully I can return to Old Faithful Contender Series and we can get right back on track. Also, just want to point out the Raptors championship hat in hopes of putting out good vibes out there that the Raptors can actually land Mr. Damian Lillard, who's on the training block for a while now. And apparently, the Raptors are now the front runner in terms of earnings. So if you're an NBA fan, basketball fan, I'm sure you'll appreciate that, especially if you're from the Toronto area. And knock on wood, he doesn't leave us as quickly as Kawhi Leonard did without at least delivering us a championship. All right. Uh... Just a quick plug for the MMA Fight Archive. If you enjoy doing your own research, predicting and breaking down fights, check out the MMA Fight Archive. Find out why more than 60 subscribers have jumped on board and utilize this to make sure they leave no stone unturned when they're doing their research. There's direct links to past fights for all these upcoming fights, including the contender series, so you know exactly what to expect from these fighters when they step foot in the cage. We also got... PFL Europe coming up this weekend. We got Cage Warriors coming up, KSW, ACA, uh, CFFC, LFA, all that good stuff. It's all covered on the MMA Fight Archive. Check it out for free. Seven-day free trial available with the link in the description below. Check it out. All right. We got five fights to get through for this Contender Series Week 8 card, so let's not waste any more time. Let's get right into it. First fight of the night, we got Vinicius de Oliveira going up against Victor Hugo Madrigal. Very intriguing matchup here between the former UAE Warriors champion and the uh, current, I guess, Budo Sento champion. Uh, Oliveira was a very hot prospect uh, between 2020-ish and I'd say 2022, where he picked up straight six straight victories, including winning the UAE Warriors title and defending it a couple times until he eventually ran into Ali Taleb, who was able to utilize his cleaner striking approach to knock Oliveira out. But what makes Oliveira so special is his wild erratic striking and he's very aggressive in terms of pushing the pace and putting on a different a lot of variety of strikes on his opponents which usually keeps them on the tip of their toes and it kind of makes them wonder okay like where is he going to throw next is he going to hit my leg is he going to chuck me to the body is he going to go overhand right um that's what makes him so dangerous he's just so confident in throwing that he just overwhelms his opponents with his volume his ground game could use a little bit of work. It's not that bad, but I've definitely seen opponents take him to the ground and grind him out for a little bit. And I know that higher level of opponents will have more success in terms of keeping him there. But he's a very confident opponent when he steps inside the cage and definitely looks to throw big bombs to try to get his opponents out. 
His opponent, Victor Madrigal, actually got knocked out by Marcelo Rojo back in 2019, which caused a two-and-a-half-year-long layoff for Madrigal. He returned in early 2022 and won three straight victories, including winning the title for Budo Santo Championship, but also defeating former UFC fighter Jose Alberto Quinones. Madrigal looks like a fighter that's very comfortable in every aspect of MMA. He throws with confidence on the feet, he's very good in scrambles, and he does a good job of taking his opponents back and strangling them. He has some decent durability, although I think he's going to face way more power than he has uh, since his Marcelo Rojo fight when he steps in the cage against Oliveira. I don't really uh, agree with the uh, big chalky price on Oliveira around the minus 250, minus 300 spot, as I do think that Madrigal is one of those guys that can bite down on his mouthpiece and counter effectively against Oliveira. That's where Oliveira struggles, is his striking defense, as he's a little bit overconfident at times, which allows his opponents like Ali Taleb to bite down on their mouthpiece and counter whenever Oliveira throws his wild strikes, usually landing the cleaner strikes down the pipe and finding that chin of Oliveira. The difference here, though, is I don't think that Madrigal will have uh, a speed advantage in this matchup, which will allow Oliveira to get off on big shots, more shots, and likely find that knockout before Madrigal is able to find the knockout of his own. What I like the most here is violence. We got violence under 2.5, around minus 220. I'm expecting big power from both guys. I'm expecting Oliveira to be the reasoning for this under to cash because of his aggressive style and staying in the face of Madrigal. Who comes out on top? I'm going to predict Oliveira, just not at the rate of minus 250 indicating. Regardless, I think he picks up the victory here, and I think he does it by knockout. Next up, we got a women's belt here between Ernesta Keres Kite going up against Carly Judas. This is a very fun matchup between two strikers. And even though Ernesta has a little bit more uh, experience on her resume considering how long she's been doing it, Carly Judas is definitely going to be coming there to fight. Ernesta was originally scheduled to fight Shavkat Rachmanov's sister, but unfortunately uh, she was forced to pull out. And ten days uh, within a 10-day notice, Carly Judas was stepping up to take this fight on short notice. Ernesta, she's uh, it's it's very intriguing to see her her record. She's gone to three straight decisions, one of those being a draw, and the other two being split decision victories. More often than not, she's fighting fighters that are looking to take her to the mat, so she is unable to implement her kickboxing style. But she's done a decent enough job in terms of working well off of her back, working back to her feet sometimes, and then dishing out more damage than her opponents. But there have been some questionable decisions that she's gotten on her record. On the flip side for Carly Judas, she's very clean. She's very crisp, and she's very fun to watch, especially with the striking style that she has. She brings the pace, and she really throws and utilizes her length and reach uh, very well, throwing shots down the pipe, utilizing that front kick to the gut to keep her opponent at bay. She's also been staying very uh, active in terms of the grappling tournaments she's taking part of and normally taking down the gold medal in each one. That just showcases that she's doing her best in terms of rounding out her game well enough so that she compete at the high she can compete at the highest level. She's out of the Louisiana region where she's been sharing the mats alongside UFC veterans like Victoria Leonardo and Andrea Lee. She calls head kicks in MMA home, which is actually owned by former UFC fighter Aaron Phillips. 
I really like Carly Judas here. I think she's the cleaner striker. I think that she has uh, more paths to victory in this matchup. She's very strong in the clinch, and I think that's where Ernesto could have some troubles here. And I think that I wouldn't even be surprised to see Judas look to take this to the ground and utilize her grappling advantage over Ernesto. Ernesto, like I said, has faced grapplers in the past, but it seems like she's mainly been facing fighters with decent wrestling, but not as good jujitsu which could be the difference maker here as Judas could utilize her jiu-jitsu to get the better of her nest on the ground. But even if this fight takes place in the striking realm, I think that Judas's volume and output will be a little bit too much for Ernesto to handle in this spot. Even though Ernesto will have the height and reach advantage here, I don't think that will stop the very... Um, aggressive and gritty style of Carly in terms of just pushing the pace and staying in her face and landing more volume. So give me Carly Judas to pull off. Uh, actually, she's the favorite here at minus 185. Uh, I think she wins this fight likely by decision, although I don't mind a small stab on her to win by submission at plus 700. Next up, we got a fight that will likely go down as fight of the night between Danny Silva and Angel Pacheco. Starting off on the Danny Silva side, I've been very high on this kid for a while now, considering that I've been following him over his last couple LFA fights. I was kind of let down when he lost to Kanan Kawaihai, who was able to take him to the ground and grind him out for the better parts of rounds one and two. And unfortunately, it was too little too late for Silva in the third round to get his hand raised, uh, allow allowing Kawaihai to hand Silva his first professional loss. But Silva bounced back earlier this year in LFA where he took on a very short notice opponent and knocked him out within four minutes of that matchup. Silva is primarily a boxer who utilizes his, um, his forward movement, his aggressive style and combination striking to hurt his opponents and really just keep, just stay in their face and do a great job in terms of putting them away late. And Angel Pacheco, on the other hand, is a guy that has recently teamed up with the New England cartel and splitting time between there as well as his home gym in Minnesota under former UFC fighter and uh, veteran Brock Larson. Pacheco has a boxing style where he likes to stalk his opponents and utilize elbows and forward movement and combinations to hurt his opponents. He also has a brown belt in BJJ, which I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to pull out in this matchup where he'll likely have the advantage over Danny Silva. Now, I feel like the public is very high on Silva here because he has a little bit more eyes on him due to his resume with the LFA. And also on the Pacheco side, he hasn't been facing the greatest of competition as of late, although his last uh, victory came last August where he was able to defeat the now CFFC bantamweight champion, Wilson Negrioni. I might be absolutely uh, butchering that name there, but if you guys watch CFFC, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Pacheco is a very solid fighter in terms of just putting that pressure on his opponents, showcasing solid durability as well, but also an aggressiveness that a lot of opponents struggle to keep up with. And I think that's why I'm going to lean with him in this matchup. You know, Danny Silva is usually the guy that kind of takes command in his fights, but we've seen as we in the Kanan Kawai high fight, even in glimpses of other fights where uh, if opponents kind of stay in his face, make him face adversity and make him face pressure, he kind of freezes up and allows his opponents to just get off on him. And I feel like Pacheco realizes that. And I've heard him say in interviews that he feels like he can be the one to push the pace and take Danny Silva to places he has yet to be. And that might be, you know, strong words for a fighter who hasn't really been facing the highest level of competition. But I feel like just the the skill set and the experience that he's been gaining in the training room, being Rob Font's primary training partner for uh, a couple of fights now. You know, he, he trained him or helped be his sparring partner for the Adrian Yanez fight, 
We saw how that turned out. And then he was also his training partner for the Song Yudong fight before that fight ended up getting cancelled. This guy's getting legit experience in the training room, and I feel like he's just waiting for an opportunity to showcase his potential. This could be the fight, and at plus 185, I'm going to likely be the only one out there taking a shot on Pacheco here, but I think he can get it done, and I wouldn't be surprised if it also came by submission. All right, next up, we got a heavyweight matchup here between Alexander Soldotkin going up against Mario Piazon. Uh... Soldotkin started off his professional career 3-3, three and three, but has now exploded with confidence and success where he's rattled off 11 straight victories. He's finished all but one of those opponents, and even the fight that went to a decision showcased that he can go a hard 15 minutes if required to take his opponents down and grind them out from that top position. Although, we did see him start to slow down a tad in his last match against uh, Serhich, where Serhich utilized a very Brazilian jiu-jitsu heavy approach, which caused a lot of scrambles and caused a lot of reversals, which kind of wore on the gas tank of Soldotkin. But luckily for Soldotkin, Serhich suffered a shoulder injury in that matchup and was un uh, unable to continue past the latter half of that second round, allowing Soldotkin to win that fight by TKO injury. But Sadakin normally does a great job in terms of blitzing his opponents with his straight shots down the middle, landing his power and getting them out of there. But he also has a solid wrestling game where he can take opponents down and do big damage from on top, but also looks for submission opportunities if they show themselves. On the flip side for Mario Prats, and this guy turned pro back in November 2021 and has put together a 6-0 record. He's blasted through all of his opponents, finishing all but one in the first round. He has been fighting for the same promotion for five out of his six matchups, but it seems like one of those spots that have been grooming this fighter to potentially get an opportunity on the contender series like he is here. It's the same promotion that gave Eduardo Mara, who recently earned her UFC contract to the contender series a couple weeks back. They gave her the same treatment, but the difference between Mara and Piazon is that Mara actually seems like she has a legitimate skill set. Piazon kind of reminds me of a guy that uh, fights similarly to Carlos Boy Philippe, if you guys remember him from a couple of years back. He likes to throw down in the pocket, throw some boxing combinations, and has a decent kicking game. But he seems to me a guy that has yet to be challenged and really face much resistance, especially against the tomato cans he's been facing on the regional scene. I believe that's going to be the difference maker here, as Soldatkin should be able to put him through the grinder, get him to the mat, and do big damage from on top. It's kind of hard to be super confident in a guy at minus 400, especially when we've seen heavyweights already fumble the bag earlier this year on the contender series. Most notably, a couple weeks back in Brendison Hibero, who was able to pull off the big upset as a plus 400 underdog. But I think that Soldatkin is way more experienced, has way more tools in his uh, toolkit, and I feel like that's going to be enough for him to get Piazza on out of there early. I don't mind the under one and a half here around that minus 250 line, and I think that he's going to be able to take this fight to the ground in the first round, do big damage from on top, from on top and maybe even find a submission victory. But give me Soldatkin round one, under one and a half. And that brings us to the main event of the Contender Series. And this one was a fight that I was originally not that excited for. But after running the tape, I'm feeling pretty good about it. We got Raheem Forrest going up against Danny Barlow. Both of these guys coming from the CFF scene. Uh, I believe both of them were replacements. Well, I believe Danny Barlow actually was supposed to fight Justin Berlinson. Uh, Berlinson pulled out in steps Raheem Forrest. And now we got an all CFFC main event here. 
Raheem Forrest is the former CFFC welterweight champion, which he uh, won um, by decision, but then ended up getting finished by Charlie Radke, who just recently got signed to the UFC, and uh, that's where he ended up losing his title. He bounced back, though, with a big 26-second knockout victory over Treston Vines, where he showcased his explosivity and his power that he can implement. Normally, he leans on his power striking, but also his grinding grappling skills where he's able to take opponents to the ground and grind them out from that top position. He trains out of Memphis and is not really training with any notable gyms of any sorts, but he's still making it work for him. He has a bit of a sketchy gas tank, but always seems to find a way to uh, kick it into gear when required late in fights so that he can either survive or even get a dominant position that he can ride out and get the victory with still. On the flip side for Danny Barlow, it was very surprising to find out that this guy was an all-American wrestler, considering that all of the tape that I've seen on him, he's strictly used as striking. He's done a great job with his southpaw striking position, where he's just utilizing that power hand, that left hand down the pipe, and timing it so well that he's finished multiple opponents with it. One thing I'd like to see as he continues to progress through his career is the use of his lead hand, his jab, his ability to set up his left hand down the pipe, but he's done such a good job of being so accurate and timing it so well that he still catches his opponents off guard even when he throws that left hand naked, and he's very quick in terms of getting to the target and putting his opponents down. He's done a decent job of keeping fights upright or even just getting back to his feet, and if he can continue to work on that and ensure that fights stay in the striking realm, he will normally having an advantage over his opponent now Forrest has some I gotta say probably better experience than him on the regional scene but I think the way that these two match up and knowing that Barlow has a wrestling background of his own I feel like he should be able to thwart the grappling heavy attempts of Forrest here and even the power punching uh, blitz attacks that Forrest likes by using his left hand down the pipe Barlow normally does a great job in terms of countering his opponents with that left hand he just holds his ground and whenever his opponents try to crash the pocket he just fires that piston off and it usually lands very frequently and he's able to uh, hurt his opponents drop them and then finish them after that i think that Forrest is going to find troubles trying to close the distance here i think he's going to get tagged up anytime he tries to close the distance and i think that we'll see barlow eventually land the bomb on him and put him out here so at plus 105, I feel like Barlow is a spot here to pick up the victory, likely emphatically, which ends up signing him to the UFC. And there you guys go, breakdowns on all five fights for the Contender Series. Reminder, there is no UFC card this week, but we got Cage Warriors 160, and we also have uh, PFL Europe number three. I'll be doing breakdowns for both those cards strictly on the Patreon page. So if you're looking for action this weekend, check the link in the description below and you'll get write-ups, in-depth write-ups on every single matchup on all those cards. And then also maybe a head start on the upcoming UFC card as well, as well as the following Contender Series card. Appreciate all the love. Appreciate all the support. Good luck on your uh, action for the Contender Series. And I'll see you guys next week. Peace.